dead, the fact that the, that the tomb could not contain him, that death was overcome, death was defeated, and it was swallowed up in victory. And because of his victory, we have life, and we have the opportunity to have life to the full. You know, over the past several weeks uh, here at PCC, we've been going through a series titled Kingdom Lessons, and it's a, an opportunity for us to look at what Jesus said through some of his parables, where he said, the kingdom of heaven is like all these things, and it helps us to see what his kingdom is like. In, in this series, we've looked at some of the parables where Jesus said, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, it's like yeast, and we talked about faith. It's like the shrewd manager, and we talked about dependence upon God. We talked about how the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding banquet, and we discussed humility. We looked at the weeds and the wheat, and we were challenged with patience, trusting in God's timing instead of our own timing. We looked at the forgiving king and the unmerciful servant, and we talked about forgiveness. We also looked at the generous landowner and the workers in the vineyard, and that week we looked at grace and how when we don't receive what we deserve, that's a really good thing, because what we deserve is death, and what we receive is life. But when we receive what we don't deserve, that's also a really good thing, because what we receive is grace, and what we deserve is punishment. We deserve judgment. Last week, Ben challenged us with the parable of the ten bridesmaids and how even though we have to wait for Jesus, even though it seems like he's taking a long time to return to set things right, we need to wait well. And in waiting well, that's how we truly become prepared for Jesus. And and the way we're truly prepared is to have Jesus in our life because more than anything, the kingdom of heaven is about Jesus. It's like Jesus, and, and that's what we're striving for, and that's what we're looking at. Throughout this series, We've, been asked, we've asked each other this question. When it comes to the characteristics of the kingdom of heaven, when it comes to those things, do we want it? Do we really want the characteristics of the kingdom to be evident in our life? Do we really want them to permeate our life? Do we really want his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven? Do we want that type of faith? Do we want to have that type of patience? Do we want to trust in God and his timing? Do we want this type of kingdom? Because I would contend that while understanding and and hearing the message of Jesus, understanding and hearing the parables is easy, it's much more difficult to live that out in our daily life. And so today, on this Easter Sunday morning, I'm going to invite you to look with me at two additional parables that Jesus tells us when he tells us more about what the kingdom of of heaven is like. I invite you to grab your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Matthew chapter 13. If you didn't bring your Bible, you should be able to find a blue Bible somewhere close to you, and that'll be on page 691. We're going to take a look at just three short verses, and we're going to be looking at the parable of the hidden treasure and the parable of the pearl as we strive to gain a fuller understanding of what the kingdom of heaven is like. I invite you to follow along in your Bible, or you can follow along. The words will be on the screen behind me. It says this, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. And from these two parables, I would suggest that there is an important kingdom lesson for us to learn, for us to acknowledge. And that lesson is simply this. The kingdom of heaven is so valuable that giving up everything else here on earth to attain it is worth it. In other words, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. 
And I invite you to write that one word down on the back of your bulletin there, that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. And we see that demonstrated in the way that each of these two men responded to what they found. In the first parable, uh, we're introduced to a man who's out digging in a field. Now, we don't know why he's digging. We're not told. But we do know that as he's digging, he comes across something that he is not expecting. He finds a treasure hidden out in this field. Has that ever happened to you? Has anyone here ever found a treasure that they were not expecting and then they just happened to come across it? Anyone? A few people are nodding their heads. Nobody wants to raise their hand. I, I get it. You know, it's, it's Easter, right? Um, I grew up on a farm in western Missouri, and uh, as a kid, I was probably seven or eight years old, uh, I can remember a bright, sunshiny day when my best friend Brian and I decided that we were going to go fishing. And when you live on a farm and you decide you're going to go fishing, what do you do? Well, you go dig worms. That's what you do. So we, do what, we did what we know to do. We went and grabbed a shovel, we grabbed a bucket, and we headed out behind the barn into the field where my uncle feeds cattle because we know that that's the best place to get worms, right? Where the ground is rich from what cows do and from the hay there, right? So you go out and we start digging for worms. Now imagine our surprise as we are digging for worms and instead we find a silver coin, Right? We found a silver coin as we were digging for worms. So when you find one silver coin, what do you do? You dig for more, right? Everybody's on board with that. We kept digging. We forgot all about the worms, right? We were looking for treasure. And as we dug, the more we dug, the more we found. And we accumulated a little pile of these amazing, wonderful, different-looking silver coins. And while we were not sure exactly what we had found, it didn't stop us from dreaming about what we were going to do with it. We were going to buy new baseball gloves. We were going to finally buy a ramp for our bikes instead of the bale of hay and the barn door that we'd taken off the hinges and laid across it to really jump, right? We were going to buy all kinds of new fishing lures so we didn't have to dig worms anymore. We were going to buy a metal chain net for the basketball goal to replace the torn, you know, regular net. We had plans. We were dreaming we, we, our lives were going to change. Things were going to be different. Now, for Jesus' audience, finding a, a treasure in a field, hearing a story about that, would not have been a big surprise for us. At this time uh, in history, there were no banks or safes to keep valuable objects in. The only thing you could do was, with your valuables was to hide them in some form or fashion. And in this case, the treasure was hidden in the field. Why the treasure was hidden there, uh, we don't know. Perhaps the, the man or the owner had forgotten what he'd done with it, or, or perhaps he'd buried it there on purpose and, and then just didn't tell anyone else, and, and he died. Maybe he was like Ron Swanson and just you know, buries stuff in the backyard all the time, and that's just what he does. Well, while it doesn't ultimately matter why the, the treasure was there, the point is that the treasure is there, and it's hidden until it's found by this man. And instantly, like Brian and I, he knows how precious this treasure is, and he knows that he must have it. The second parable that Jesus tells that we read is similar, but it's different as well. While the first man found the treasure by accident, the second man was actually searching for the treasure. He'd been hunting for it for a long time, knowing exactly what he's looking for. Look at uh, verse 45. The second story begins, a merchant looking for fine pearls. It's like the TV show on the History Channel, American Pickers, or another show that's like it on any of the other thousands of cable channels that you probably don't watch. These people know what they're doing. They know what treasure they are looking for, and they recognize something of value when they see it. 
This man knows his business, and his business is dealing in pearls. He has more than likely bought and sold many pearls in his time. And while he's seen many pearls, he's never seen a pearl quite like this one. He decides that this is a very special one, one of great value, and he must have it. And I think it's interesting to note that the first man found the treasure by accident. The second man found the treasure after a careful search. But in both cases, it was a life-changing discovery. And I think it would be safe to say that some people stumble upon Jesus. They kind of find him almost unexpectedly, like the man finding treasure in a field. It might be very sudden. It might be very surprising. Uh, I think of Saul from the Scriptures, for an example. As a Pharisee, he was known for persecuting believers. He was known for breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. His mission was to arrest Christ followers and bring them to Jerusalem for trial, which essentially guaranteed that they would be killed unless they denied their faith. But on this road, Saul came face to face with the very one whose followers he had been persecuting. And as a result of this encounter, Saul was given a new name. We know him better by the name of Paul. And he goes from being an enemy of Jesus to a defender of Jesus, a man who was committed to telling other people about Jesus and his salvation by grace through faith. For some, when they encounter Christ, it's a surprise and it changes their life. For other people, becoming a Christian and finding Jesus is really part of a long search. It's exploring many different religions or thoughts or possibilities before discovering the truth of Jesus. They discover all kinds of treasure before discovering the real treasure, the one that actually matters. There are two things that come to mind when I think of that. My friend Rob Asherill, he was a guy who had everything. He had the world by the tail, and yet he was empty. And when I met him, and we were able to talk, and was able to tell him about Jesus. He said, that's what I've been looking for. It was a careful search. He was exploring, and he turned his life over to Christ. I also think of someone like the Apostle Peter. He spent time listening to Jesus, spending time with Jesus, watching him perform miracles, taking a long journey to discovering and experiencing what life-changing role and plan that God had for him through Jesus' amazing love in his life. Peter, for as much grief as we give him for being this impulsive guy, saying the wrong things all the time, he got it. He was one of the disciples that really got it. In fact, there came a time in Jesus' ministry when he was teaching some really hard things. And when Jesus started teaching the really hard things, people started to leave Jesus. They were like, we're not sure we want to follow you anymore. And they began leaving, which caused Jesus to turn to his disciples and say, are you guys going to leave as well? To which Peter replied, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter understood the value of having Christ in his life. You know, ultimately, it doesn't matter how it happens. The truth is, getting to know Jesus and trusting in Jesus is a life-changing event. How valuable it is to know and to love the one and only Son of God. The one who gave up heaven in order to come and rescue us from our sins. The glorious one who gives us all of his blessings and he came to redeem us in order that we might spend all eternity with him. Jesus, the life giver, who because of his love for us, gave his life so that we might live, the living one who, who he defeated death, the one we celebrate today on Easter Sunday morning because death has been defeated. The grave could not hold him. He is risen. Amen? Amen. We find Jesus, and when we do, we discover that 
we have great joy because Jesus is more precious than anything we could ever own or buy or give our life to. This is what these two men in the parable discovered. Uh, Did you notice what they did after finding their treasure? Look again at the text in, in verse 44. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again in verse 46. When he found it, when he found the one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. They had the same reaction. What'd they do? They went and they sold everything they had, all the things that they had been pursuing, everything that they had accumulated and achieved up to this point. They sold it all. They gave it all up in order to attain something else, the treasure, the pearl. And why did they do that? Because they, they noticed what it really was. It was a treasure. It was the pearl. And, and they did so with great joy. In verse 44 in this text, it says, in his joy. And I don't want you to miss that little detail, in his joy. Joy is such an amazing characteristic of of someone who has discovered and experienced the life-changing love of Christ. And it doesn't mean you're not going to have tough days and rough days and you're not going to be down and that life won't be difficult. But what it means is that you can face those things with joy. The joy of knowing Jesus. The joy that comes from being a believer. On that day that Brian and I found our treasure, we had a lot of joy. And when we got back to the house, and I, I remember showing my dad and telling him the story and, you know, telling him all the things that we were going to do with our treasure. And, and as we showed him the treasure, I remember that look. And if you've ever given that look or received that look, you know what look I'm talking about, right? That look of when my dad looked at me and said, you want to go with your story? Or do you want to know what they really are? And at that point, the gig was up, right? (laughs) Regardless of what we wanted to believe, we wanted to know the truth. Someone obviously knew the truth, and so we relinquished and we asked for what they really were, and he told us. They were the little circle silver knockouts from an electrical panel box. You know what I'm talking about? They probably fell out of the back of my uncle's truck, who was also a carpenter when he was feeding the cattle sometime. What we found, our discovery... Our treasure was ultimately worthless. And thinking back on that experience in my life, I was struck with this thought. You know, some of us chase dreams and goals and achievements only to realize that after we attain them, they are ultimately worthless. We're left empty and disappointed. Achieving that status or that position, increasing the size of a portfolio, attaining the right degree from the right school, having a lot of people like you or retweet your post, those treasures, those things that we hold so tightly to, they're unsatisfying, they're unfulfilling, they're ultimately worthless. Which is why when these two men found the real treasure, they were so willing to give up all the other treasure that they had to attain it. They realized that nothing else really mattered. They were going to hold on to the only true treasure that would truly fulfill them. And in this parable, if we make the parallel to us, we are the ones who either stumble upon Jesus or we finally find him after a long search. We, we are the ones that find the treasure The treasure is God. The treasure is Christ. It is his salvation. It's a relationship with him. It is the kingdom of heaven. As John Piper said, having the same grace of Christ in our lives is so valuable that even if we lose everything in order to have it, it is a joyful sacrifice. And like these two men in the parable, 
We need to hold on to the treasure. We need to cling to Jesus no matter what the cost, to learn to pursue the kingdom and the kingdom alone so that it may come on earth as it is in heaven. And as I think about Jesus telling this parable, I cannot help but ask, what are you willing to give up in order to receive the kingdom of heaven? Are you willing to give up your pride? Are you willing to give up your position, your need for independence? Are you willing to give up your opinion or your status, your judgments, your your condemnation? Are you willing to give up being right in order to be made righteous? Are you willing to give up earthly treasure in order to attain the real treasure, in order to attain Jesus? You see, Jesus gave up everything to establish his kingdom for you and for me. He gave up his life so that we could have life. And like the two men in this parable, Jesus did so with great joy. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 tells us, Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus willingly, joyfully gave his life for us. And God raised him back to life, which is why we celebrate. It's what today is all about. It's why we are here on Easter, because today is a celebration. Like countless followers who have come before us, we can say, Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. The disciples who walked with Jesus here on earth, they experienced Christ in some amazing ways, which led the disciple Peter to confess, you are the Christ the Son of the living God. We call it the good confession. Peter understood that Jesus was not simply a messenger. Jesus was the message himself. And the message to him and to us was, follow me. It's the message that Jesus has been telling all of us is simply, follow me. Jesus tried to help his audience understand what it meant to follow him. And he told them time and time and time again, And we've talked about that through our series. The kingdom of heaven is like, and it's like all these things. Jesus taught us that he was a different kind of Messiah. He was different than what they were expecting. And following him was going to be different than they had imagined. But in doing so, Jesus issued this very clear call to us. That if we're going to follow him, it means that we must give him our allegiance. It requires denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following him. And when I say that and when I read it and and when I share that with people, I understand that that is a difficult message to hear. It was difficult for the disciples at the time, and because we are who we are, we feel like it's a very difficult message for us today as well. To deny ourselves, to take up our cross, to follow Jesus just doesn't seem to make sense because we live in a culture that teaches us to glorify ourselves, to pursue comfort and control and satisfaction of our desires above all else. But our king, in his kingdom, is calling us to pursue a treasure, to pursue something different, to pursue Jesus at all costs, to deny oneself and to pursue the things of God. That can feel like death because it may mean letting go of some of our dreams and replacing them with what Jesus has called us to do. And he tells us that in order to truly follow him, we will have to relinquish control. But what better person to give control of our life to? Because he promises us that he will give us life and life to the full. In him, triumph will come through suffering. Jesus is calling us to live our lives for him, to know him. Because in him, we can have real, true, and eternal life. And I have to wonder, if you've heard Jesus calling to you, 
Have you experienced him? Are you willing to deny yourself, to take up your cross and follow him? Are you willing to surrender? Are you willing to be obedient to him? Do you trust that he can truly lead your life? The kingdom of heaven is like, well, today we looked at the fact that it's like a treasure, a treasure that one should pursue regardless of the cost, and it's a treasure that Jesus offers to each and every one of us. This Easter, we celebrate the fact that Jesus is risen, and he is our treasure, and we seek to follow him regardless of the cost. As we move into a time where we can reflect and respond as to what God has done for us through uh, the giving of his son, Jesus Christ, perhaps you're here today, and you, you've yet to find your treasure You've yet to discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ. It's our prayer that you would allow the message of Christ and his grace and his love and his forgiveness to permeate your life. To allow the fact that he, he died, but he is alive again today through the power of God in your life. And he's come to give you life and life to the full. Maybe you're here today and as you came to church today, you didn't expect to really find Jesus. You simply came to church because it's Easter, right? And that's kind of what you're supposed to do on Easter, is go to church, go somewhere. But it's our prayer that that you have found Jesus, that you've heard his name, and that you will accept him. Because once you find him, you have to decide what you're going to do with him. Maybe you've been searching for Jesus, and now that you've heard about him again, what are you going to do with him? What what are you going to do with Jesus? Are you ready to follow him with your life? Are you willing to give up all else to attain the treasure? Are you willing to surrender and to be obedient, to give your life? Because here's what I know for sure. No matter what you're digging for in your backyard, no matter what dreams or goals or relationship you are chasing, Jesus is the only treasure that will ultimately satisfy you. It's the only treasure that's truly going to give you life and hope and peace that which we are so desperately searching for. We want to give you the opportunity to respond to what God's doing in your life. And and the way we do that here is we simply invite you to join with us in worship. In just a moment, the band's going to lead us in a time of response. We're going to sing a song together. And at that time, if you want to talk to someone, we want to invite you to make your way up here to the front rows, uh, up here in front of the stage, or to the back in between, uh, uh, out by the exit doors, where members of the staff and leadership team would be more than happy to meet with you and to pray with you and to encourage you and to walk down this road of life with you. We do not have to walk alone because Jesus has given us life. He's given us his son and he's given us each other so that we can walk through this journey of life together. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we sing, you respond to what the Lord is doing in your life today.